Now, some of the greatest things in our world have started by the masses laughing at them, but they haven't allowed it uh, to, to define them. They've allowed it to refine them. If you've ever asked yourself how to stop trading all of your time for money, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to The Wealth Code Secrets, where I'll be teaching you how to access the wealth code by creating solutions and value in today's ever-changing world so you can create unlimited wealth and fulfillment in all aspects of your lives. Thanks for joining me. Now on to the show. Welcome to The Wealth Code Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Todd. Today, I have like the most special guest. I, I am so excited, especially... Uh, during these times. And now that we have just started the SSHC challenge, uh, I have um, uh, the great Steve Sims. And I'm not going to even say anything more about Steve besides he's uh, a part of this amazing mastermind that that I'm a part of. Steve, I'm going to, uh, first of all, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And uh, can you tell the people a little bit about who Steve Sims is and a little background on your story? I am an aggravated, curious five-year-old, and that's never changed. Um, but I grew up as a bricklayer, poor, like most people. And strangely, funny enough, I didn't like that. And so I went on a journey to try and find rich and affluent people. And of course, we didn't have the entrepreneurial groups that we do now. So back in the 80s, kicking around East London, if you were an entrepreneur then it meant that you were either doing something illegal or selling used car audios out the back of your car. So we all know a period where being an entrepreneur was not a cool thing. Now it's revered like you're a rock star. Um, but I went out to try and find affluent people, and I wanted to ask them one question. How come you got money and I haven't? And that was as blunt as it was. Um, I ended up working on the door of a nightclub, tried loads of jobs within the world of affluence, stockbroker insurance jet charters got fired from them all because i'm big and ugly and not the kind of guy you you would go to if you were thinking about money but working on the door i suddenly got to see people and i started getting them into nightclubs you know you know without waiting in line getting them tables at restaurants that were fully booked and that escalated and so that's how it started and then i became well known well forbes called me the real life wizard of oz because the goals I got from these affluent people got bigger and bigger. So I put uh, a client, I put him on stage who sang live on stage with the rock band Journey. I got another client, a, a drum lesson by Guns N' Roses, um, a guitar lesson by ZZ Top, walked the white carpet without joining to his Oscar party. Um, I had a client that wanted to uh, have dinner in Florence and to show off how powerful he was to his mother-in-law and father-in-law. So I closed down the Academia de Galleria Museum, set up a table of six at the feet of Michelangelo's David, and at 9 p.m. gave him a private meal in their own museum. And then, like all entrepreneurs, we look at things and go, how could I make this better? So halfway through his pastor, I got Andrea Bocelli to come in and serenade him during his dinner. So those were the kind of things that I did. I just tried to see how far I could take things and that's why I tell people I'm an aggravated, curious five-year-old. This is absolutely amazing, you guys. So here's what you just told me. You, you just asked yourself a question. And the question is, how comes those people have money and I don't? Yep. He asked himself a question and then 
said, I'm going to ask other people that question. And then he basically said, okay, well, if I want to figure out what these people that have money do, what I'm going to do is I'm going to find a way to be around those people. Yeah. And um, I mean, he has boyish good looks, but besides that, it looked like he had nothing else. So, 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 so here's what he did. He said, but there's got to be something that I have that's of value to these people. And whether that was you, you know, um, you know, just figuring out what things could I do to basically bring value to these people. That's what you did. And you just did this over and over and over again. And it sounded to me like you just kind of had some balls and you, you kind of just said, let's see how far we can take this thing. And you were able to take it fairly far. Does that sound about right? It sounds too nice. Um, and look, I'd love to sit here and have you compliment me, but uh, that that can't happen here. Let's let's break it down real, real into its core level, Greg. Mm. Let's say, for argument's sake, this Saturday I have a barbecue, and I say, "Hey, Greg, come along to my party." And you're in the area. What's the first question you ask me when I tell you to come to my barbecue party? What time is it? What time is it? Great question. What's the next question you ask me? Um. Who's going to be there? Great question. Who's going to be there? So I've invited you to my barbecue party here in Hollywood. You want to know what time is it? Who's going to be there? What's another question? Um, can I bring anybody else? Can you bring it? Great. You don't want to be uh, not knowing anybody there. So you're going to bring a friend. What's the fourth question you ask me? Mm, um, is there anything that you want me to bring? Great. It took five questions before you gave a shit about me. Every single one of those questions satisfied you. I've just, through the goodness of my heart, invited you to eat with my friends and family. But you came at me with four questions which satisfied you. Now, I'm picking on you. It's a horrible example. I call it the barbecue game. I urge all of you to try it. Funny enough, guys are shit at it. Girls are really good. You you ask a girl this question, and they're going to go, well, what can I bring? That's that's usually the first question. So when I'm doing this example in a crowded setting, never pick on the ladies because it doesn't show a very good example. But the guy, I had one guy went to 12 questions before he said, oh, can I bring anything? You know, so here's the bottom line. In today's world, let's not care about what we look like. Let's not care about what we sound like. You've, hmm. you've met me. I'm a 240 pound tattooed, ear-piercing biker. That's just me. If you focus on what I look like to make a decision, you're not going to do business with me. But do you care what I look like if I bring a solution to your pain? Mm. If I bring, if I knock on your door at one o'clock in the morning, wake up your family, wake up the kids, wake up the next door neighbor's dog, you're opening up the door and you're going, what the hell are you doing here? Your wife's yelling at you. Who the bloody hell's that at this time and that? The whole house is bad. Okay. But if I said to you, hey, Greg, sorry about this, pal, but I'm just around the corner with Elon Musk and Warren Buffett and we're just having a late night coffee and we got a spare seat. I wondered if you wanted to be in that conversation. Now, how fast are you going to get your jacket and be out that door? Oh, um, real fast. I'm not going to get the jacket. No, it's not the jacket. I'll buy another one tomorrow. The bottom line of it is, if you show up as a solution, especially today, no one cares what car you're leaning against. 
No one cares you're flowing Goldilocks. No one cares how good looking you are. You only need to worry about that shit when you haven't got something that solves someone else's problem. Mm. 100%. Wow. Let me ask you this. That that right there, we could end a podcast, but we're not. We're going to keep on going. This is absolutely amazing. See ya. Uh, you know, a, a, a lot of people feel like, I, I feel like I have something to offer. I, I hear you, Steve. I feel like I have something to offer and I feel like it's of value. But Steve, I'm still scared. Uh, and I'm afraid of being rejected. I'm afraid of being laughed at. Uh, and it's it's something just that I haven't done. And because of this fear that I have, even though I truly believe what I have is of value to someone in the marketplace, I, I can't get over this fear. What would you tell them, Steve? Well, obviously, that's a great segue into my new book that's coming out on the 18th of October. So quick, shallow plug for this beautiful upside down thing here. Um, but to answer your question more accurately, all of that was about you. I don't care about you. I care about how your brilliance can help me. See, a lot of you said at the beginning, I have something that can help you, but I'm scared. Let's change that word scared and replace it with the word obligated. Let's mm. say for argument's sake, we're walking down the road and I don't know you, but you're about to cross the road and I see a bus. And that bus is going to make you a pizza in about three nanoseconds. Now, do I reach out to you and go, oh, I haven't put on my best T-shirt today. I don't know if he's going to like me. We like different music. I'm really not splat, you know? Or do I go, hang on a minute, you're walking into something that's going to hurt you. Greg, stop a minute. Now, we don't know each other, but I see you're going down the wrong path. You need to focus on what you have is an obligation to help other people. I teach this when I teach people how to speak on stage, how to coach in any of the events I do. It's not about what you look like. It's what about you can impact. Mm. And all of those fears you had are current today. And that's, that's why I wrote the book. I couldn't believe how much of a gotcha society we were in. Now, I'm older than you. So, you know, but even, how old are you? 44. So, joking aside, that's not an old age. But even you spent half of your life without the internet. You right. know, you had an existence pre that. How many stupid things have you done in your life that never got caught on video? A lot. You know? But now... We're scared of going. I said, I had someone the other day, a client of mine said, uh, I said, oh, I said oh, what are you doing the weekend? He said, oh, I was going to go to a party, but they made it fancy dress. And a lot of people don't like wearing fancy dress because, you know, they've got to get all made up and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, going down a party city, you can end up getting really shitty outfits. You know, you don't want to look bad. And I went, oh, you're a bit frightened of dressing up. He said, no, I'm a bit, bit scared of someone taking a picture and then blaming it on me. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I don't want to be in a... What, what can I wear nowadays? You know, I don't know what to go as. I could turn up as a sheep and it's going to offend someone. He said, so no, I don't want to do it. And he didn't go to the party, oh. not because he didn't want to enjoy himself, but he was frightened. Mm. And we're in a world today where we publicly humiliate people. Give you an example. 
Elon Musk, is there anyone out there that even if you hate him, part of you wants to be him? You know, the guy is just disrupting things, you right. know, just that mentality. Do you remember when he re when he released the Cybertruck? Do you remember that? Did you see it on so. TV? I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a Tesla junkie, so I I, I must. Right. Yeah. So let's walk through it. And for anyone that didn't see it, I'll paint you the picture because you've probably all seen the Cybertruck by now. He revealed in Los Angeles in a sold out auditorium a truck that, apart from the fact that it had four wheels was unlike any other truck ever, ever, ever. While he was unveiling it, the pre-orders were hitting the hundreds of thousands, okay? Nothing was like this, and it just happened to be that one of the things on this truck was bulletproof glass. Yeah. Do you remember this? I remember right? yes. Now, I don't know about you, but if one of your concerns about what car you buy has bulletproof glass, you don't need that car. You need to move. You know, that's, that's what you should be focusing on. But they checked it by throwing a golf ball at the window. And what happened to the window? It, it cracked. It, it shattered. <laughs> it shattered. Now, the following day, he was in the millions of orders for this truck, which, bear in mind, he hadn't actually built any yet. That was a prototype. So he had already pre-sold. How many of us would love to pre-sell our product before we went into R&D? You know? So Amazing. he pre-sold his product. But what was the headlines the following day? It sure as shit wasn't Elon builds the most remarkable, never-seen-before truck. It was Elon with egg on his face. Elon breaks the window. Doesn't stand up to the bulletproof. Ha, hardy, hardy, ha. Now, the following weeks, they got different windows up and they shot them with different guns. Okay. Did you ever see that video? No, 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 no. I didn't see that one. Didn't see no that. one did. Why? Because it proved it didn't work. It proved it worked. You see, the point is today's society, we would much rather look, laugh, and scorn you than go, yeah, you got it right. It was the same thing with his rockets. Do you remember when his rockets used to bring the fuel cell onto the floating pad and it would tip over and it would explode? Yep. Mm -hmm. When was the last time you saw one of the rockets tip over and explode? When was one of the last times you saw the rocket actually land? The, answer, the answer is you don't because right. no one gives a shit. All the time it fell over and exploded, we were like, oh, there's a hundred million dollars. God, that's all got up in smoke. Yeah. Got it right. All of the education is in the failure. He learned from the education of how it went wrong to make sure it didn't. We're right. in a world where we would rather make headlines out of someone tripping up, tripping over something, falling into something, saying something wrong with your words. Any of those things, we'd rather go <laughs> rather than going, well, I've done that. So I discovered that one of my secret abilities without realizing it was I didn't give a shit what you thought. And if you laughed at me, two things would, would come into my mind. First of all, are you the person that I care about laughing at me? You know, if Elon Musk laughed at my ideas, hey, maybe, maybe something's wrong then. 
because I'm looking at the source of the laughter. But when you've got a guy that's still flipping burgers in the local drive-thru, is laughing at your growth and scalability goals, and you are stupid enough to let it affect you, then you're a bigger idiot than you thought you are. So I'm stunned how we actually concern ourselves with other people's laughter. And that's why I wrote the book, Go For Stupid. I want people to take their dreams and go, okay, what is my goal? And if that circle of people are laughing at you rather than supporting, and you you mentioned earlier, the, the masterminds we're in, the groups that we're in, okay? If you sat at your table with any 10 people from that room and you went, you know, my business isn't big enough. I'm going to scale it by 17 times this year. And this is what I'm thinking of doing it. How many people at that table would laugh at you? Absolutely no one. Yeah. If you're in a coffee shop and you've got a bunch of your mates with you and you say the same thing, how many of your mates are going to go, <laughs> really? The ones I used to have. Yes. There's, there's the key thing. Your circle is defined by those people that laugh or support. Right. And I, I have had, I remember I was going to go on this business deal and I was putting all of my energy into it. You know, like all entrepreneurs, we get consumed by the new shiny thing. And uh, I was having lunch with Jay Abraham and he said, oh, you know, what are you working on? I went, this is going to do this, it's going to do this, it's going to do this. And I was so focused on it and I looked at him and he went, is that it? Wow. And I went, uh, what do you mean? Is that it? That's, that's pretty dumb. He went, go big or don't, but you're going to put all of your effort, all of your unicorn, all of your energy, and that's the outcome you're hoping to achieve? And it suddenly made me realize, I need to go big. I need to go big. I need to have laughable goals. And more importantly, I need not to care about you laughing, but use it as fuel for me to be able to achieve it. I love this. This is absolutely amazing. You guys, I, look, there's nothing else that I need to say with regards to what <laughs> you know Steve just said. Uh, be very mindful of your circle uh, and, and understand that if your circle doesn't have what it is that you want tenfold, then you really should not even mind yourself with anything that the circle is saying. Here, let me ask you some, some tactical things now. Okay. Uh, you said, you know, you pretty much chose how to ignore what everyone else is, you know, thinking. Mm -hmm. But how do you actually create this, this, this go for big, stupid, ridiculous, audacious goals? How do you do it? So I'll use the example of uh, Florence. Uh, I was in Rome at the time and the guy contacted me. And all he said to me was, I want to have a meal in Florence. And then he added this bit. I want to have a great dining experience. I remember those two words, dining experience. But he said, I want to show my, my, my future mother and father-in-law how powerful and connected I am. That's what he wanted. So there was a hidden agenda underneath the experience. Now, if you're going to do something, the first thing I do is go, well, okay, what's the stupid goal here? You know, what is the absolutely ridiculous Crazy. Now, if you were going to do something in Paris and you wanted the planet to know you were in Paris, where would you do it? Eiffel Tower? Eiffel Tower? I would there think. you go. Yeah. If you were in New York and you had to have a backdrop just to show that you were in New York, not in London, not in Copenhagen, 
not in any other major city, where would you do it? Maybe with a Statue of Liberty in the background? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There you go. So I looked at Florence and I went, where is quintessentially Fiorenza? What is just classically Florence? If someone looked at it and they went, well, that's Florence. It couldn't be anywhere else. And there's a lot of Renaissance all over Europe. Mm -hmm. But there's only one David. And anyone that knows, knows that David is only in Florence. Mm. So my first stupid goal was, well, David. David is my Statue of Liberty. David is my Eiffel Tower. You know, I'm going to go for that. And do you know the funny thing is? When you go for something and you ask, but you ask with a solution, you get. Now, before I walked into the room, let me run through the tactics, okay? You can use these tactics for any of your businesses. The first thing I did was I thought to myself, okay, my stupid goal is to close that museum down, okay? That's my stupid goal. Who do I know that's connected with it? So I contacted a few people I knew in Florence. If you're in New York, contact a few people you know in New York for your goal. But we've all got these Rolodex now. We've all got these links and we've all got relationships, key relationships, not a phone number. We got relationships. And I contacted a bunch of people I know and I said, does anyone have any connection with the Academia de Galleria Museum. Turned out that one of my friends knew someone that vaguely knew me, knew me that was one of the patrons, was one of the main sponsors and donators for it. And I went, great, can you make an introduction? So the first thing I did was I rode in on the credibility of them. Now, when we were first speaking, you mentioned about you'd seen me speaking and I was introduced by my friend Roland Frazier, okay? How credible am I? when Roland Frazier is the one saying good things about me, exactly. you know? So I came in on that credibility. Now, getting into the door is one thing. That's an old trick that doesn't carry a lot of weight now. Being so much of value that they lock the door after you've come in, that's the trick. So mm. what I did was I knew this person could make an introduction. He could get me a five-minute meeting. Now I've got to plan, how can I uh, be a value? So what do I do? I go back to my barbecue game. I know what I want, but what can I bring to your barbecue? That's the only question. I did some digging, and I found out through this guy that they were going to do an auction later on that year. They were going to do a gala to raise money for the roof of this museum. Right. So okay. I went in there. And everybody, this, this is very important. It's simple, but it's important. If I, if I walk up to you, if we're in a bar, if we're in an event, if we're in a car park, if I start walking to you, eyes locked, I'm coming to you, you can be guaranteed I want something. It could be as trivial as like, oh, hey, great, do you have the time? Or, hey, uh, we don't know each other, but is, is the toilet around here? Or, mm. hey, I saw you speak. I really want to. You know I'm going to ask you something. That gets a lot of people nervous. So what I wanted to do was I went in there and I said, hey, thank you very much for having this meeting. Um, I actually want to talk to you about an event I'd like to host here. I've just got out of, out of the way what it is I want. I want to host an event here. But before I get into that, I hear you're doing a gala at the end of this year. Would you care to tell me a little bit more about this gala? 
Mm. Uh, yes, it's a gala where we we have our patrons, we have our sponsors come in, and we're doing this. I said, what is the purpose of the gala? Well, you know, we have to do uh, repairs and renovations. What's the biggest headache? Well, it's this ceiling because of all the work inside. The ceiling has to be very restrictive. Most of Florence uh, and Fiorenza is wood. So, you know, it's, we've got to make sure that it's anti-flammable and stuff. I said, it's got to be a headache. Said, it is. It's not a usual tile. It's about 10 times the cost. So that's selling me up on this huge problem. And I went, hang on a minute. So what's the budget you've got to be looking for? It was like a million bucks or something like that, just over, I think. And I went, how would it be if we could actually arrange for you to get a quarter of your, your target satisfied before you printed off one flyer, would that be a benefit to you? Now, notice this thing. Yes, I'm exchanging money for what it is I want. But instead of you to focusing on the money, I'm focusing on the problem they have and removing a major part of it. You've only got to hit three quarters of your budget now. Because one quarter of it, I'm going to sort out by you allowing me to host an event here. Right. So now I've offered them, like, look, you, you, you can't run very well. Would you like me to teach you how to run? You can't do your homework. Would you like me to teach you how to do it? I've got so would, would that be a benefit? Absolutely great. All we have to do is this, and I'll do this. And they said yes. Now, I've been stunned over the years how I've been able to get the attention of Richard Branson, Elton John, all of these people coming in with that barbecue scenario and never having to have a backup, never having to have a, you know, well, if I don't get that, what's option B? No. And my wife actually said to me that my superpower is ignorance. Now, mm. I, I will say that when she said that, I thought to myself, I'm getting divorced because that's not what you want your wife to be saying <laughs> about you. But she said that how many times did she said this to our friends? Because my friends were also a bit concerned I was getting a divorce. Um, she said, how many times has he actually pulled something off? And you've just gone, how the hell did he do that? Because he didn't question the why not. He just went in with the complete ignorance that it could go any other way than the way he envisioned it. So if you imagine, and remember what I said at the beginning, I was that curious, aggravated five-year-old. Do you have kids? Four. You have four kids, okay? God bless you, man. I had three, um, and I like two of them. Depends, <laughs> depends which day of the week is which two. But how many times have you argued? Now, you're, you're an articulate man in a business environment, and you can put a deal together for $20 million and then go off and have a cup of coffee, all right? How many times do you sweat when you're negotiating with your kids and you're like, oh, yeah. my God, there's nothing worse than, than negotiating with a mini-me, you know? Yeah, 100%. 100%. It's, brutal. It's, it's very, very tough. But for me, I would always go forward as that aggravated five-year-old that didn't see the outcome as being anything other than you were going to give me what I was asking for because I'm going to give you so much value and solution and removal of your pain that you're begging me to offer you what it is I need so you can solidify this deal. And that's how it worked. It was very, very simple. So I wanted to focus on things that people thought were stupid that they achieved and how they framed it in order to be able to do it. This is amazing. 
there's a couple of things that I, I I was actually typing some stuff as you said. Okay, number one is Steve is asking, but he's asking with the solution in mind. Uh, he came up with a very stupid goal of closing down the, the museum. So many of us were not even allowing ourselves to go there. He allowed himself to go there. And then here's the first thing that he did. Tactically, what he did is he said, okay, uh, let me see who I know. Let me tell you something. It's so, it, it's it's a crazy thing. Yesterday, somebody said, Greg, if you lost it all, like, do you think you could get it all back? Okay. And I was like, well, here's the deal. I believe I could. And I believe I could because, um, not believe, actually, I know I could. And I know I'd be able to do it in half the time that it took me to get to where I'm at right now. And it's really because of two things. It's because of the skills that I've developed, but more importantly than that, it's because of the contacts that I have on this. And so what Steve did is Steve went into his contact list and said, who do I know? The next thing he did is he anchored the people that he knew to the thing that he actually wanted to have done. So he had one anchor. Okay. And then when he actually finally had the meeting, he did the barbecue convo. And he basically figured out what is it that they wanted. And then here's a really, I've actually never heard this said in the way that you said it. When he started the conversation out, he actually said, this is kind of what I want. So he said it so fast. But then after that, he said, okay, so with that said, let's talk about what it is that you all are doing and let's talk about the problems. And then he just let them talk about the problem after problem after problem after problem after problem after problem. Uh, you know, problem. And that's what he did. You guys, his superpower is ignorance. And that is the reason why, like, it's got to be the reason why you are where you are today. Oh, when, hell yeah. Yeah. When you spoke at War Room, and that's a mastermind that that Steve and I are both, you know, part of, uh, he was explaining how he's gotten on all the stages that he's gotten on. And it is very, very, very impressive. <laughs> uh, and and really, he he's just he's doing this. You know, that's really what he's doing with all the different tactics. Steve, I still have everything that you wrote down, every single thing, like boom, 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 boom. And really, it's just it's like literally this is his blueprint. For those of you that are listening to this, I want to tell you, you can you you can have the things that you want. And chances are, um, like what Jay Abraham did to Steve, chances are it's like, is that it? Chances are they're just mm. not close to being, you know, big enough. But you have to tactically approach these things in a way that's going to actually get you to be able to go after and actually achieve those big, stupid, ridiculous you know, goals. Um, so here's my final two questions uh, for you. So people are on this challenge, this, this Smart Success Healthcare Challenge that we're having them do. And um, one of the other things, besides them talking to a stranger, one of the other things that I have them doing is... Uh, is paying it forward. Just just paying it forward, doing things for people and creating value for people with very little expectation in return, just getting into the habit of doing that. How important uh, do you feel like your success has been to you just constantly trying to bring value to people, even if there's no agenda in it for Steve? Well, for a start, there's always an agenda in it for Steve. And that agenda is my growth my being challenged, which is what you're doing. Um, and we all know the growth comes from being uncomfortable. So my agenda when I'm helping someone else 
they say that you know selfless you know selfless you know charity and stuff like that no you do something it makes you feel good it makes you breathe better it makes you feel better about yourself so i move with an agenda every single time but i very much and i love your talk to a, st- a stranger um chat we were talking about that earlier i think what you need to do is stretch yourself into an environment that you're not usually in tomorrow um tomorrow i'm in prison okay and I, I say that quickly, but I go to prison probably three times a year. And with a bunch of entrepreneurs that I bring along, I teach them how to interact with people from different walks of life and how to take that hustle from the world of illegal into productive businesses. Mm. And this is not an environment I would normally ever have been in. But I've been doing it for four years now. It makes me uncomfortable. It makes me respect. It makes me understand a different mentality. It makes me comprehend and converse with people that I don't necessarily agree with. But now I'm kind of understanding a bit more. So I think your challenges are very, very important. And the more uncomfortable you can get in them, the greater the growth you will receive. Awesome. Gosh, I love this. I love this. Uh, let's talk about the book. Everybody needs to get this book. Can you put it up again? Uh, so as you said, let's go back to the whole barbecue combo. The book is go for stupid, the art of achieving ridiculous goals. Uh, what will people get from getting this book? And if you were listening to this, you're buying the book. If you buy the book, you're, you're going to change your life. So, so, so tell them what the value is that they're going to get from the book. It's going to give for the biggest value is going to get you out of the way of you nine times out of 10. You've got a goal in your head. And this is the daft thing. You'll blurt out what your goal is and then spend the next 10 minutes telling people, usually just yourself in the shower, why you can never achieve it. And you're setting your own parameters. You're selling your own ceilings. And I've never understood that. So what goes on in here is not only uh, the stories of the stuff that I've done with Elon Musk, the Pope, Richard Branson, name drops through there. The weird and wacky experiences I've got up to, like you know, putting you on stage with your favorite band or sending you down to the Titanic, but also how I framed it and how also my friends look at things, how they envisage things, and how these famous things within our life were ridiculed. People ridiculed Henry Ford when he wanted to do the car. People ridiculed when they introduced coffee. They ridiculed when they came up with the light bulb. Now, some of the greatest things in our world have started by the masses laughing at them, but they haven't allowed it uh, to to define them. They've allowed it to refine them. So this this book is going to challenge you to think differently it's more importantly going to train you to act differently. And in a gotcha society, let me be got for disrupting. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Steve, I thank you so much. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So, so how can people get into your world and know when the, because I believe the book's going to be released October yeah. 18th. 18th. Yeah, the book's coming out on October the 18th. We're not doing any pre-sale. On the day that it's released, we're going to announce it out. So anywhere you consume your media, I don't care if it's on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, wherever, 
Steve D. Sims. There's only one M in Sims and D for dashing. Steve D. Sims, any media, or just jump on to stevedsims.com or text the word Sims, S-I-M-S, to 33777. And we're going to alert everyone in the planet when this book comes out. And I challenge you to think differently. Wow. You guys, there's a couple things. So right before this call, uh, I was talking to one of uh, my students who is uh, a dietitian who's getting ready to do a pretty big launch. And she said, like, how, like how much, like, Greg, how often should I be on social? Where should I be for this launch? And I was like, listen, you got to look at a launch a little bit, you know, different. I can tell you guys this, uh, Steve's time is very valuable, and, but I will tell you that he understands the power of a launch. And during a launch, he understands that I have to bring as much value to the world as I possibly can. So in our mastermind group, I saw Steve put up that, hey, for people in this group, I would love to be able to be on your podcast and bring value to your audience. And I'm sure you all have gotten so much value from uh, Steve bringing this today. I've learned so many things. Uh, and um, and I just want to thank you so much, Steve. So guys, please uh, go ahead and follow Steve on those sites. Uh, uh, go ahead and text message him uh, and and get into his world. I will be getting that book the minute that it is released. I uh, can't wait to see you in Austin. Are you going to be in Austin? I'm going to be in Austin. I'll be there, pal. So, um, so can't wait to see you. And I just want to tell you, I appreciate you so much, so much. And you guys, nothing else. Go for stupid. All right. Till next time. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of The Well Code Secrets. If you haven't already, please share this out so that more people can get access to The Wealth Code. Now, if you would like to work with us and connect with my team, go to www.connectwithgt.com. That's where you can find all my free trainings, free resources, and actually book a free strategy call with my team. So looking forward to talking with you. Remember, let's make your days count. Until next time. Thank you.